Good morning. Welcome and thank you for joining us on this morning, which is special for us in the life of this church. The launch, the first official Sunday of Hope Church. I'm glad you can be here. And I'm looking forward to what God has for us over this next year, 2019. Boy, in this room, I would imagine we have people from all different walks in their life with Christ. I'm sure we have people here, I know of people that have been walking close to Christ for many, many years. I know um, that we have people here that are fairly new in their walk with Christ. And I suspect we could even have people here that are still investigating what it means, all this Christianity stuff, what are we talking about Christ over and over again? And why are we so excited about uh, what Christ has done for us? That's wonderful. I'm excited, and I welcome all of you. I, I hope that you can be a part of this next year in Hope Church, and I hope that we can together encourage each other wherever we're at in our walk with Christ. Now, outside of this church, uh, we have a community um, that is of different cultures, of different languages. Inside this church, we have a community, different cultures, and different languages. Praise the Lord for that. Outside, there's a world, there's a community, our neighbors around us, that are broken. Our world around us is broken by sin and death. And our sin, my sin, is right there in with everyone else's contributing to the problem. But we know that there is a hope. We know that God loved us and sent his son to die for us so that through Christ, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, we can have forgiveness for our sins and life in Christ. Boy, the world needs that hope. What does God have for Hope Church in 2019? What do you personally want to see happen in your life over this next year? As you're looking this time next year, going into 2020, boy, it's weird to talk about 2020, 2020, where do you want to be? I know in my life, I don't want to be the same as I am now. I don't want to be in the same place that I'm at now. I want the fruit of the Spirit, God working in my life, to be greater I want to be less like David and more like Christ. I want to have more kindness, more joy in my life in the midst of tough circumstances. I want that to be more reality in my life. I want my family to be more closely knit together. I want to be more intimate with my wife. I want us to have a deeper relationship than we have now. Can't look at her when I say that. I want our family to be knit closer than they are now. I want that for my family. What do you want for yours? Maybe you're listening to me going, David, that all sounds great, but I just need to make it till tomorrow. Maybe right now, just the weight and pressures that are on you, either from work or from family or other things, is just, you can't think about what happens a year from now. All you can think about is what's happening right, right now. Can I make it until tomorrow? Maybe you've got a relationship that's just going south, that's tough at work or at home, that's keeping you up late at night. 
Maybe you've done something you're not proud of and you're living in fear of who's going to find out and how they're going to find it out. We have the same brokenness that's out there that we're dealing with. I would love for Hope Church to be able to bring hope to the community around us in this year. We can't very well do that if we're not living in that hope ourselves. I don't want to bring something fake. I want this to be real here. I want us to be real with each other. I don't want to bring the community around us something that's just coming out of our mouth and is not being lived in our lives. If we don't have that in our own lives, how can we expect to bring that to them? On the other hand, if in our lives there is real hope at work, We are living in the hope of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God is having fruit in our life. And we are, in the midst of tough circumstances, finding joy and peace. And that's evident. And in our families, even though things are rough and we're dealing with the same brokenness that's brought by sin, we're overcoming that because the Spirit of God is working something in our lives that is greater than that. If what happens in here is greater than the differences that we find in our cultures, the differences that we have in language, and the Spirit of God is unifying us into a thriving, healthy family, I don't think we can help but affect the community around us. That's my prayer for this church in this next year. How do we get there? Do we just really put in a lot of effort to get to that ultimate goal? There is going to be effort, but I can tell you, if all we do is put in effort, we won't get there, because that's only something that can be accomplished by the power of God working in us and through us. We need God to accomplish this work in us. Each of us is on a path. I'm on a path. My family's on a path. Our church is on a path to somewhere. It's inevitable. The choices that you make the things that you decide to spend time on, the things that you uh, think about most, the luxuries that you choose to enjoy or not enjoy, the sacrifices that you decide to make or not make, those things define the direction that you are headed in your life. What's the destination based on what's happening right now in your life, the path that you're on? Where are you going to be at the end of this 2019? This is a great time, finishing a year, starting a new year. I'll try to not say the word New Year's resolution, but this is a great time just to take stock of where we're at and where we're headed. Where do I really want to be? Not just narrowly focused, but big picture, where do I want to be? Where do we want our church to be? This is a time to look at the path we're on and possibly make some changes. I can't make a change now that's going to fast forward me and transport me to that picture of Hope Church thriving as a family, impacting the community around us. But all of us can certainly take steps right now that will put us on a path headed in that direction. Over the next few weeks, we are going to cover four principles, four practices that I believe biblically are going to put us on a path towards thriving and living the life that Christ has us to live in the direction 
that will make us a family that's impacting the community around us. I'd say these are attributes of a person who is walking on that path. So we've tied these to the letters of hope, H-O-P-E. It doesn't work in Spanish, but that's okay. We have grace towards each other. Uh, But we are going to cover the same four principles in both English and Spanish, um, starting with the letter H. H is hearing with faith. It's going to be all about the Word of God in our lives. Before we get into that, let's pray. Father, thank you for this family that you have created, brand new, looking ahead. God, you've given us the name Hope, and we are looking with hope into the future that you have for us. God, I pray that you would build us into a thriving, healthy family as a church, that you would impact each of the families in this room that we wouldn't be the same at the end of this year as we are now. God, we're about to dig into your word, to talk about your word. That's a topic bigger than I am. I pray that you would speak through me with your spirit. God, guide us as we're looking at how your word can impact our lives. God, we want your word to be a light to our path. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This book uh, is vitally important to our lives. It's vitally important. I wouldn't be talking about it in this context. Um, It's also misunderstood. a, A lot of people are afraid of this big, thick book. We're not all readers. We don't all know what's in it. So I want to take a brief a moment to try to go through some, some Bible basics of what's in this book. Um, if you have more questions, ask somebody. Ask me. Ask Reuben. Um, we want everyone in this room to feel comfortable picking up this book and reading it. It's important, and we're going to dig into why. But first, this isn't just one book. This is 66 books. That doesn't make you feel any better, I'm sure. This is 66 books written over a period of time of some 1,500 years, depending on when you, there's some difference of opinion on when Job was written. I think it can sway things a little bit. But we'll just say 1,500 years by 40 different authors, some 40 different authors. And it covers in it a history from the beginning of the world. If I go into Genesis, that's... In the beginning, God created all the way to uh, the time now and into the future in Revelation where it's talking about the final judgment and eternity. This Bible is divided into what we call an Old Testament and a New Testament. Um, A better word for those would be Old Covenant and New Covenant. Um, The first 39 books, which is this section... Ending with Micah right here, or not Micah, Malachi. This right here is our Old Testament. This at the end is the New Testament. Uh, This was written. uh, These are the first books that were written. You go all the way back to Moses. If Job was written before Moses, then you go back that far. Really, if, if I take Job out of the picture, that's the question mark. Uh, The first written word of God would have been the Ten Commandments, God himself writing 
on stone. Um, then Moses picked up and wrote the, the first five books that are in this Bible. The covenant, I said, it would be better to call these Old Covenant and New Covenant. This Old Covenant here is centered around the covenant that God made with his people on Mount Sinai uh, with Moses and the Ten Commandments. It's a covenant based on animal sacrifice and following the law. Then in this New Testament, this New Covenant, this was all preparing the way for what's here in the New Covenant where it's based on God's sacrifice of his own son and it's a covenant sealed with the Holy Spirit. So those are two things you'll see thrown around a lot. As I'm, as I'm calling out references, typically I'll say, you know, let's turn to Galatians. That's the name of the book. Galatians would be the name of a book. Genesis is the name of a book. Um, then we usually will show the chapter, colon, verse. Chapters and verses were added later to this. They didn't originally have those. So sometimes you'll notice from one chapter to the next that it doesn't seem to flow right. Wait, it, it shouldn't be cut there. Well, it wasn't cut there in the original. The, the chapters and verses aren't, aren't part of the Scripture in its original text. What else? I want to make sure I cover some basics here. Let me, let me look. Forty authors, the years. So this, this Old Testament... Uh, the, the most recent book uh, was probably around 435 um, B.C. And then there's a silent period. They call it the intertestament period where Israel had returned from captivity. They had recreated the temple, but it didn't have the glory that it had before. And they were just stuck in the law. And they were, everything was ready for Christ to come on the scene. So for about 430 years... Um, there was just silence, no prophets speaking. Uh, the Jewish people uh, recognized that it was not what it was before, uh, that, that there was no more revelation coming from God. And then Christ came on the scene. So what we have in the New Testament, uh, just in the books represented, the first four books are gospel. They are accounts of Christ's life. The next book is the book of Acts, which is a narrative that's showing you the timeline of what happened uh, after Christ, from Christ's ascension to the beginning of ch the church, the Spirit of God working and establishing the church, the church going, starting among the Jews, but then going to the Gentiles and finally ending in the, the hub of the Gentiles in Rome. That's all in Acts. It gives us a timeline of what happened in the church. And then all of the rest of the books, mostly, are epistles, which is a fancy name for letter. And those are all just these letters that were written to the various churches, and they would use those letters in their worship. They were copied and spread all throughout um, the area, copies of those letters, and now we have what is the, the, the best kept, preserved uh, ancient text in those letters because of the mass of copies that were made, spread out to all those churches. But what's more important about what's in this Bible? God's word is truth. How does that all equate from what you told me? There's 40 different authors of these different time periods. It's, it, it sounds like um, these could all be all over the place. 
Well, this book was written by 40 authors, human authors, but it was also spoken by one spirit. And what we find in the original text of this book is that there are no errors. It is in everything true. It is in everything non-contradictory, which is amazing. If Reuben and I, who are very like-minded, went off and to separate sides and said, let's go write. You know, we, we all believe about the same things. Let's go write our version of the Bible and came together. There would be so many differences and errors. Us living in the same context, same time period, it wouldn't look anything the same. But these 66 books are in harmony in a way that can only happen by the power of the Spirit of God speaking through the writers. And that's what we find here uh, that God tells us happened. Um, 40 authors, but one spirit. Let's look in 2 Timothy 3.16. Oops. The T's are all together. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture, that is from beginning to end, all Scripture is God-breathed, or is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. So how does that work? You said 40 different authors wrote it, but you have one Spirit breathing it, speaking it. Well, let's look also uh, at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Here's how it worked. It says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I don't pretend to fully understand how that works, but that's how it works. All Scripture is breathed by God, and so we have the truths of God's Word. John 17, 17, Jesus praying for his disciples, he said, Sanctify them in your truth. Your Word is truth. The Spirit of God breathed all Scripture. God's Word is truth, so we have a definition of what is true right here. Now, it's it is the Word of God perfectly in the original manuscript, in the original text. And what you'll find people say that argue against the Bible as well, do you have those originals? No, we don't. So is this Bible something that I can be trusted, that can be trusted as truth? How can I know that I have the same? Well, let's talk about the Old Testament real quick. We're good on time, I think. Old Testament. Uh, is the Jewish Bible. It's what the Jews use for their Bible. And the, the means that they have carried that down through history, scribes copying it over and over again meticulously. If you're a computer nerd like me, it's some of the earliest version of a checksum was going on there. They would count how many letters and instances of a given letter would show up. And if they got the count off, they'd start over and, and say, okay, something was wrong in there. We're going to do this again. So they meticulously carried forward uh, the Old Testament. Until recently, the oldest manuscripts that we had of the Old Testament were in the ninth century. Um, and even those are partial. The full, the full manuscript that we had was around 1,000, year 1,000. In 1949, 
Recently, we had the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. In some Qumran caves, uh, some Bedouin shepherds discovered these scrolls that were copies of the Old Testament back at the time of Jesus, a thousand years before. And what did they find? That it was the same. And it's funny to me to, to read some of the, the secular uh, comments on, wow, that's incredible how accurate the transmission was over a thousand period. You know, they must have been amazing people. Yes, they were amazing people, but we serve an amazing God who preserved his word and has preserved it. So the Old Testament is something that we can trust. And we know that all of those that were speaking in the New Testament referenced that Old Testament that they had as Scripture. So what about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament, like I mentioned, was copied and spread all over the place. So we have more copies of that than any other ancient text like it. If you compare some of the other things that we, that we use, Plato and, and these different ancient texts, they have a handful of copies. We've got thousands of copies of the New Testament. Their latest uh, copy that they have is a thousand years older than the original. A lot of these New Testament texts are within a couple hundred years of the original. We don't have the original. There might be a couple that are. Praise the Lord that we don't know uh, because I think people would worship the text rather than what's in it. But we have over 5,700 manuscripts. And by today's science of how they're able to combine those and, and look through them, we know more than 99% of the words what the word was in the original text. We know that. And for those bits that have differences in the manuscript, uh, most of those differences can be resolved just by looking at the context. And so it's obvious what, what's in the original based on the context. And what's left in our modern English Bibles, it tells you at the bottom of the page in a footnote, some manuscripts say this. And in all those differences, none of them affect the core doctrines of our faith. So what does all this mean? Well, actually, there's one more thing to address before I say what does all this mean. Can I trust, as God's word, a translation of the original language? This is English. It wasn't written in English. It was written... The Old Testament, mostly Hebrew, some Aramaic, and then the New Testament, it was the, the common Greek language at the time that they used to write it. Can I trust the translation into a different language? I can. Uh, at the time of Christ, there was a translation of the Old Testament that was made in Egypt. It's called the Septuagint. They translated the Old Testament into Greek. Both Jesus and Paul and others quoted from both the Hebrew and the Greek as Scripture. So if Jesus can quote a translation as still being God's Word, I'd say what we have here then is God's Word. That's what it means. Here we have the Word of God that doesn't require us to be a Hebrew scholar or a Greek scholar in order to benefit from it. You can access the Word of God. Get that into your head, because it is not just a book. It is God's word in its life. 
All right, that's my intro. <laughs> we can finally get into the meat of hearing with faith. But really, if you have questions, if you feel intimidated by what's in this Bible, um, a small group is a, is a good way to get into that. But come ask somebody. Say, where do I start? It's a question I love to answer. Um, we could talk a while about where to start. In fact, I'll take this moment to talk about, we are going to start uh, a Bible reading plan. Um, and we'll put a slide up. Actually, I think we got one in there. Uh, that we, I've got a link on our website. You can go in and sign up. And I'm, we're just going to send out, our plan is to send out three emails a week. We don't want to overwhelm you. A Monday, Wednesday, Friday email. And we'll just have something to read for that day. It'll be copied in there and a note from one of our pastors. Just a, a devotional. If you haven't, if reading the Bible is not a part of your daily life, our hope is that this will get you started. Um, if you just want to be in it to add to what you're already doing, we love that too. We just go to, we have a shorthand. You can do Hope Church Kyle or HC Kyle um, also works, um, slash Bible. Uh, you can do that on your phone, do that on, um, do that on your computer. Uh, would love to have you sign up for that. We want to get everyone into the Bible reading God's Word. Also, if you don't have a Bible, Al mentioned you're free to take the ones that are, that are there, the bilingual Bibles, but we did get English and Spanish uh, study Bibles uh, that are there at the info table. You're welcome to take one of those um, if you don't have a Bible and you need something to start reading God's Word. All right, let's dig in. Hearing with faith. So first, I want to go through three essentials to benefiting from God's Word. And the first one may seem overly simple, but boy, it's important. Read it. You can't benefit from God's Word if you don't read it. We're a family here. This is the food at the table. It's a feast full of nutrients and everything good for us to have life as a family. We need to help each other. What are the barriers that are keeping us from being able to take from this and have it benefit our own life? We need to help each other through that. If we were sitting at a table with the food that we're normally used to, and someone was having a difficulty with it, but we knew that food was life or death to them, we would help them. Would we say, oh, it's got to be this much or not at all? No. What's the barrier? If you're not regularly hearing the Word of God, even the littlest bit is going to help. The Bible app is a wonderful thing. If you don't have it on your phone, you put it on your phone, and it will tell you every day, here's the verse of the day. There you go. You went from nothing to now I've got the Word of God in front of me every day in a verse. From there, you can click on that verse and open it up and see the whole chapter. Read that chapter. Get the whole glory and context of what's around that verse. We need to read it. Often, even those verses that show up on the Bible app don't really give us the fullness of what God has for us in that verse because we're not seeing what's all around it. The Bible, like any other book, can be taken and turned. It's, God chose human language to give us his word, which means we're dealing with an author, an audience, 
a, a context, all of those things feed into what the intent of that word is. If I just pull one little bit out, I'm not really getting the full picture of what's there. Not only that, there's historic context. Something might not mean the same to a Jew in year 49 as it would to me in 2019. What I need to know is that author speaking to that person, what was their intent? That was inspired by the, word of, by the Spirit of God. That person was chosen sovereignly by God from their context to speak that way to that person. And that is life to me if I can understand it. There's ways that the Scripture can be um, and has been turned. Uh, I could point you to Psalm 14 and say, the Bible says there is no God. It says it there. There is no God. You already, I'm sure, are going, well, I know something about the Bible, and there's something that you're not giving me there. Just because it says, and the Spirit of God is, is speaking, we know all of the words of the Bible says there is no God. Well, if I back out a little, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That has a whole different meaning. How important is it for us, not just to read it ourselves, but to read the whole of what it says? One of my favorite verses, um, this used a lot, is Romans 8.28. It speaks to God's control and his, his sovereignty in my life. And we'll quote it, and we kind of reduce it in our quoting, and we say, God is working all things together for my good. And there's truth in that. But then I look and read the verse, and there's more to it. God is working all things together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's a little more specific. It's not just working good for everybody. He's working good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a richer meaning to that verse. But even that doesn't fully capture what is a jewel in the midst of just a treasure. Not just Romans 8, but the whole book of Romans is a theological treasure that we have. And Romans 8 is kind of this pinnacle chapter of it. And 8.28 is a jewel within that. So then what is in Romans 8? Well, Romans 8 is talking about the love of God that has has seen me, that has, that has been working for my good since the beginning of time. That he saw me ahead and he sent his son and loved me. I start out Romans 8 with, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And then I see God's working and I see the spirit of God that is part of this and how now I don't live in the spirit of fear, I live as a son of God, calling him Abba, Father, and the Spirit of God is there with me as I'm looking into the future and that future hope and just struggling with what is now my flesh, but looking to what, what that is that God has for me. I don't see it yet. I can't understand it yet, but the Spirit of God is there in me, carrying me forward, encouraging me. He's interceding for me on my behalf and this work that God has planned from the beginning of time is now working in me. He is faithful and his power is moving forward to complete that work in my life to eternity so that Romans 8 then says, can anyone, can anyone 
bring anything against God's elect. And it finishes out with what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's in the middle of that chapter that Romans 8.28 says, God is working all things for my good. Now it has a richness to it. But even that barely covers Romans 8. And if I sit here and I tell you about it, um, you're not going to fully get it. You might get it here, but you're not going to get it here unless you really take it in. How many of you here have been to New York? New York. So for those of you who haven't been to New York, I would venture a guess that you believe New York is real. And you probably know a lot about New York. You could talk to somebody about it, describe it, but you've never actually been there. That's what it's like for me to tell you about what's in the Bible. It's important that I do that. That's God's design that there be teachers that are teaching what's in God's Word. And I'm trusting that the Spirit of God has given me something that's going to benefit you. But if you never open it yourself, it's like you've never been to New York. Now, Elizabeth and I, for our 15th anniversary, we took a cruise out of New York up into Canada. And uh, when we when we landed, a friend of mine picked us up, and we had a few hours to spend. And so he said, I'll show you New York. And he had this little red car. I don't think we've ever, I don't think anyone has ever seen the sights of New York at that speed. <laughs> I believe his words were, I like to play with the taxis. We were cutting off, uh, cutting off cars. We were cutting off pedestrians. But we saw everything that there was to see in New York in the span of three hours. We were out to Long Island. We were in uh, past Madison Square Gardens. We were, uh, went to see the towers that are being rebuilt. And, and we just, we saw everything. Now, that's more like reading it. Or maybe at that pace, it's more like having it read to me. Um, had I been driving and seeing the sights at my pace, then it would have been like reading it myself. Now, another time, I got to go to New York on business. Uh, I was helping out with, um, with the Twitter display at Madison Square Gardens for an event. And that time, I got to walk the streets of New York. Uh, in the morning, with all those crazy people packed tight, I got to hear it, smell it, uh, feel it. Got to go into one of the bagel shops and taste it. I got to really experience New York, when we sit down and memorize Scripture, we're not just going from destination to destination to destination of all the highlights, but we're actually memorizing it. That's like walking the streets. I'm taking it all in. If there was a chapter that you were to memorize this year, Romans 8, if any of you want to do it, I'll do it with you. I've never memorized Romans 8. Um, it's worth it. I remember memorizing chapter one of Romans, which I wouldn't be able to quote now, but I was just surprised at this little blurb that's right there at the beginning of Romans. It's, a, it's even before Paul's through his, his introduction, but it's just this deep theological truth about the power of God in the resurrection of Christ, which you just breeze over because you're headed straight for the other stuff that's good that's past it. When you memorize you get a whole another level of richness out of Scripture. We need 
to be reading it. All right, watching the time. When do I end? We are new here. 10.45? All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we'll get through these uh, more quickly. Essentials. Second essential is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God spoke the Word of God. The Spirit of God is the one that illuminates Scripture so we can understand it. Uh, let's jump into real quick 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, of, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. This is freely given us by God right here. Skipping down to verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are a folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Apart from the Spirit of God working in us, part of the, apart from the Spirit of God showing us what's in the Scripture, we can't really know it. Now, can I study it, understand the culture, understand the grammar? Yes, there's a lot of people who are students of, of the Word of God who don't believe in Christ. They don't have faith in Christ, and they don't have the Spirit of God in them, which means they can't absorb the truth. They see it as this historical book. And what you'll see is that they'll turn it and say, well, that's just a picture of something else. It's not really hard truth. Beware of when you run into that. For us, what does that mean? Well, if I, if I dip my Bible app and I see the verse and I'm on the run and I say, okay, I got that verse and, I'm, and I head into my day, that, the Spirit of God is in me. That is the Word of God, and, and, he, and the Spirit of God can make that effective in my life. But if I know I need the Spirit of God to really take in the Scripture, then when I'm going to go open the Word of God, I'm going to try to find a quiet place. I'm going to start with prayer and say, God, show me from your Word what you have for me today. Help me to see and understand your truth. Open my heart to be receptive to what you have. Let the truth of God's word speak to your heart. The Spirit of God is essential. The third essential uh, to benefiting from God's word is hearing with faith. That is, that is our letter H, uh, hearing with faith. And the, the passage that we're using for this letter is in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians, Paul is getting after... Uh, He's getting after the Galatians for going back to the law again. Uh, they're, they're in the New Testament, the New Covenant, but they're starting to go implement the things that are in the Old Covenant. Um, they don't need to anymore. But in the process of him getting after them, he gives us these nuggets of truth um, as to what we have now in Christ. So the first part in verse 2, he says, let me ask you only this. In chapter 3, verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. That's how we were saved. We heard the word of God. The spirit of God opened our eyes to the glory of his truth. We had hearing with faith. We trusted it to be true. Um, that's how we received the spirit of God. Then again, uh, looking in verse 5, it continues. No longer that, that salvation moment, 
But does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So the power of God working in us is through hearing with faith. If I want the Word of God uh, to be powerful in my life, if I want to be walking in the Spirit, then I need to be receiving God's word in faith. How, how does that look practically for us? Well, what does your daily walk look like? What does your, your day-to-day look like? Is there a verse, is there a promise of God that's there that you are depending on and hanging on for your day? I can tell you, I'll do a quick story. Uh, the first time I preached, which was just this past year, I am new to this. See, I can't even keep track of the clock. The first time I preached, uh, Jonathan was discipling me, and he said, okay, David, here's, I've already scheduled out all the next sermons. Pick one. You take it. And so we picked one, and I was preparing, and he was helping me through the process, and we were working towards that date. One week beforehand, uh, on a weekend, I was just trying. I was trying to go through it, trying to organize my notes, and I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. Nothing was coming to mind. I couldn't remember anything that I had been going through before, and I was absolutely defeated. I opened up Isaiah. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. I just started reading it over and over. It says, Fear not, David, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Read it over and over. And the strength of God allowed me then to stand up and, and then go through it. And the words came to mind. Hearing with faith. I hear that. Now I'm trusting it. It's true. God will help me. He will uphold me. I can tell you I have read this verse before every single sermon I have preached since then, trusting that when I get up here, it's not in my strength that this is going to be effective in your life. It's God who's working something through his word. He's just put me up here to be the silly, goofy guy to deliver it to you. This is God's power at work. His word. Are we hearing God's word and are we trusting it to be true? All right, let's get into three things. Not much time. All right, what to look for when we dig into God's word? There's a lot of things, a lot of reasons to dig into God's word that are good, a lot of reasons that aren't so good. Um, People go into God's Word to figure out how to refute God's Word. People go into God's Word to figure out how to argue a point against somebody. People go into God's Word to say, oh, look how my brother is really crossing the line with God. I'm going to knock him over the head with God's Word. Let me get those verses ready to pull out. I, I did that once. Well, I've done that probably more than once. I was all set. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this, God. I, I'm going to... And show me the, the right thing that I can just really show them your word. It's such a good thing I'm doing for them. What did I run into? 
He gave me a verse. It said, love covers a multitude of sin. Oh, God, that's not what I was looking for. (laughs) How we go into God's word needs to be primarily focused on what he's going to speak to us in our own heart. All right, so the right reasons to go into God's word. First reason is to know God. Uh, Let's look real quick. John chapter 17, verse 3. says, and this is eternal life. All right, listen up, because this is eternal life. That they know you, this is Jesus praying to the Father, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's life. In God's word, we can know God. I can tell you all day about the Trinity, these amazing things about God, how there's God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and each of them is fully God, and yet there's one God. But, and I don't understand it, but you can't really know it in a way that changes your life to know God, to really know the Holy Spirit, to know the Son, to know the Father in a way that actually affects my life until I read through the Bible and I encounter over and over again, wow, these attributes of who God is. These attributes of what the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in me and through me and on my behalf. These attributes of God the Son and how he can relate to me in every circumstance. Knowing God is a huge part of reading your Bible. So when you're in your Bible, look for characteristics of God. Even when you're back in those Old Testament books and they're going through a genealogy, realize There's a purpose in those genealogies. Those are displaying the glory of God and his purpose and generations in his plan. It is possible to get something out of even some of those chapters that seem so dry and long. Look for the characteristics of God as you go into the the word. The second thing that we can pull out of the word um, is to know myself. Let's look real quick at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God can dig into my innermost being and the things that I don't even know are there and just... Reveal them. Sometimes that's not a comfortable process. But what is God doing in that? He's taking his truth, the word of God. He's taking his truth and putting it into my life where there's lies that I believe that are affecting everything about my life. You know, a lot of what we do, our actions, our choices, just our our reactions to things are based on what we believe. I believe that if I touch a hot stove, I will get burned. That is a true belief. I don't have to consciously work through the mechanics of, okay, the stove's on. What's that mean again? Oh, yeah, that I, no, if I see a hot stove, oh, I'm staying away from it. It's an automatic reaction. There are a lot of things that we believe about ourselves, about God based on past experiences, past hurts that manifest themselves in a life of fear, in choices we make to protect ourselves, to never feel that again, 
in our relationships. It hurts those that we're in relationship with because we, it can bring up barriers to say, I, I, I can't have a closeness and an intimacy past a certain level because then I'm at risk. I could get hurt. But underneath those things, there's lies that we have come to believe. And in God's word, when I open up God's word, he's uncovering those things and the spirit of God will take it and show me his truth and speak truth into those areas of my life so that I'm no longer living in a spirit of fear and I'm no longer living with relationships that are at a distance. But God allows me to enjoy something of the glory that it will be in the glorious future even now through the power of Christ transforming my life. We look into God's word to know more about myself. All right, finally. Ooh, I got one minute. Might go long. Final reason to open God's word is to know abundant life. Jesus said in John 10.10, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. What is the abundant life that Jesus has for us? It's not what the world would call abundant life. It's better than that. Let's look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things. Well, you could just meditate on that one statement right there. Um, for a long time, but his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, that is to be like Christ, having escaped and the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. His great and very, his, his precious and very great promises. When you are reading in God's word, you need to be looking at the person of God to know God because that's life. You need to be looking at God uncover the things in my heart so that I can take care of them. Spirit of God, convict me, work in me. And then ultimately look for the promises of God. In Romans chapter 8, there is a ton of promises of God. There are so many. I love that we, in, in the group me chat, there's a group me chat. If you're wondering about it, ask somebody. They can add you. That has a lot of people that are in this church that have been, that have been on there uh, sharing prayer requests. But I love when people just put out a scripture that God's been putting on their heart. In those scriptures so often is a promise we can hold on to those. We can hear them and respond how? In faith, trusting that it's true. We have something incredible in Christ. We have the Word of God, the Spirit of God working in us to be able to understand it. It is vitally important that each of us is taking from the Word of God weekly, if not daily, and trusting it to be true. Well, I'm out of time, but I do want, uh, if you, can you put the link up there again? 
If you want to be a part of what we're going to do going through the Bible, um, I'd love for you to sign up on that. Um, if you have any issues with it, let me know. I think it's all working. Um, we need the Word of God to not just be here. It needs to be here in our heart. And next week, as we continue, we're going to be looking at what it means to follow Christ as we dig into the O, which is obeying by faith, walking in the life, walking in the living hope of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for using someone like me uh, to deliver your word. I pray that it would, it would be powerful in the hearts of everyone here. God, as we're setting our way for this year, if there's changes that we need to make, show us changes that we need to make in our life so that the direction that we're headed is towards your living hope. Not just the hope that we know is going to be there in glory with you, but the hope that we know the Spirit of God can work in our life even now. God, we have brokenness in our own families. I pray that your Spirit would just work something tremendous, that the relationships that we have would grow close even in the midst of conflict. God, that the sin that we're dealing with in our life, that we would have victory over that. God, that even in tough circumstances when the weight of the world is pressing in on us, that we would find peace and joy just knowing that you are in control. Thank you, God, for the life that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you again for being here.